Drop off the kids or put them to bed. Turn on Childish with real life friends and podcasting virtuosos Greg Fitzsimmons and Allison Rosen. Laugh about the struggles and joys of parenthood. Grow closer to your children. Learn something useful or not. Maybe feel less alone. And maybe even put the spark back into your love life. Childish is for people who are parents or had parents. If you had no parents, maybe check out WTF with Mark Marin. Subscribe to Childish. New episodes coming soon wherever you listen to podcasts. Childish, oh shit. Last time I checked, I was still a kid. Childish, childish. This all freaks me out a bit. Childish, oh shit. How can I pet when I'm still a kid? Childish. Everyone, hi, hello, welcome to another episode of Allison Rosen is your new best friend. I'm sitting here with comedian Marcella Arguello. Here I am. Hello. Hi. Uh, she wrote for Netflix's Bill Nye Saves the World, Drop the Mic on TBS. Uh, she's appeared on Comedy Central's Corporate and a bunch of other shows, frequently appears on Top 10 Comedian Roundups. She was on At Midnight six times, which is four times more than me. Uh, and her debut album, The Woke Bully, comes out. Out, or by the time you hear this, came out February 1st. That's right. And I am going to assume that you all have already listened to it <laughs> and memorized it. Also, you're from Modesto, California. I am from Modesto, California. My guest yesterday was from Modesto, oh. Ginger Gonzaga. Oh, yeah. Isn't oh, that that's cool? I feel like that's crazy. I know Ginger. I, she did. Um she did Bill Nye. She did characters yes. on Bill Nye. Yeah, she's cool. Yeah, I emailed her when I learned that you're from Modesto. Oh, that's Because she talked about Modesto quite a bit. What did she say? She did not have a lot of good things to say <laughs> about it. <laughs> but yeah, and I'll, I'll go into that. But I emailed yeah. her and I'm like, my guest today you know, is from Modesto. And I told her and she's like, oh, I, I know her from yeah. Bill Nye. And also, I guess her dad sent her clip from like a modesto paper that you guys were both mentioned in oh cool i think you're both the pride oh, of modesto so cool. <laughs> yeah you know i really liked working with her uh, bill and i because um i like popped into something that um i helped write and um i kind of like directed her a little bit and it's so nice when uh when it's anyone but it's it's nicer with women too uh they respond well to direction mm-hmm. and uh, so it was fun working with her i really liked working with her so she was really cool so what did you think of modesto she was kind of like i'm from modesto but i got out <laughs> i love modesto um i am who i am because i was raised in modesto i don't really like when people shit on it um ginger I think, yeah i mean i i just have this theory that like a lot of the problem with people who shit on their hometown is usually something's wrong with them uh i'm like you're probably still a loser where you moved to as you were in your hometown it's also like what are people looking for what more do you want in your hometown like you need more chipotles more starbucks like, what is what are you missing you know well i read that you were involved in drama in high school right a little bit i did a little bit um i was always like a performer and entertainer as a kid i was a class clown i was the youngest of four like I, I was all the stereotypes of a comedian mm-hmm. and uh yeah but i like modesto i just the weather is nice and you kind of get like a semi-winter it's cool right because she was saying that there really wasn't much of an arts program 
when she was there. I don't know if she went to a different high school than you did, maybe. Maybe. I mean, that, but th- there was, uh, there were things available and there's things to do. Um, uh, I remember, I think I want to say my sophomore or junior year, our drama teacher actually left and then, and then there was no like drama class anymore. You guys did go to the same high school oh, because really? she told that story. Wait, didn't the drama teacher like sleep with a student or something? No, not the... Not that I'm aware of. I, I, my understanding was he moved because his daughter went to Juilliard. Oh. And she, he was like, he just loved her so much that he went and moved to New York with her, which is like fucking creepy, but um, The plot thickens. Yeah. <laughs> because Ginger's story was at her high school, there was a drama program for like a year or something, or actually, I don't know how long. And then the teacher left and there was no more drama program. So maybe go to the same school. Yeah. I'll have to find out. I don't know. That's interesting. I don't know what our age difference is. Yeah. Look it up. Yeah. I don't, I don't know how old she is. Um, okay. That's crazy. So you're the youngest of four. I am. Um, do you think that that fed into you wanting to perform? Oh, absolutely. It's like always fighting for attention and, uh, yeah, absolutely. I totally fucking did. What was your family like? Uh, just like a stereotypical Latino family, you're always having a good time, and it's all very like, uh, you know, proud to be our, you know, Latino, and uh, always very family oriented, and we always did everything together. And there's um, four of us, so when we're all a year apart, so we're all very close. And there's two boys, two girls, so it was easy to like team up against each other, boys mm-hmm. versus girls. And, um, you know, like everyone, I didn't realize that until I got older, but everyone loved coming to our house. Apparently we had all the good snacks, <laughs> um, but it was more just because my mom had so many kids to feed. <laughs> right. Um, so yeah, I, it was cool. I love, I love being in Modesto, but that's the thing is that I love being in Modesto because my family and my friends are there and I love my family and friends. Mm-hmm. And I think that is part of the missing piece for a lot of people. Right. What was it like being, um, being not white in Modesto? Well, I am white presenting. So for me, it's a different experience as it was for my siblings. Um, my sister, when she was in kindergarten, she's a year older than me. When she was in kindergarten, her teacher would get her in trouble for speaking Spanish. Uh, my sister has brown, browner skin. She has brown skin. And, um, you know, she, she was an obvious Latina. She was obvious other. I, I was I blended in more so like it I just didn't deal with all the shit that they dealt with but because I was the youngest and I admired everyone in my family mm-hmm. I saw everything happen to them and they all have accents and I would see people kind of talk to them differently than they would talk to me and uh so it was it was interesting because I got the white experience but with this knowledge of that they're they're having a different experience than I am at what age do you think you became aware of that oh man really young I, I must have been six or seven my grandmother um, very, I mean, you know, colorism is prevalent in, in Latin American countries. So she would tell me how beautiful I was because I had white skin. Interesting. She would straight up say that. And you know, when you're young and you're a kid and you look up to everyone that's older than you, my sister was older than me. I always thought my sister was the most beautiful girl. I just was like, I want to look like my sister, which is funny because we basically look the same, <laughs> but she just had brown skin and, and nice straight hair you know nice straight hair and i was like oh i, I want to look like my sister like why doesn't she tell my sister she's pretty like mm-hmm. what i don't understand like I, I couldn't wrap my head around it and then when i would notice the words she was saying fair you clear your fair skin you have such nice white skin mm-hmm. your skin and i was like wait what's this shit about my skin who fucking cares about my skin i don't understand you know like my sister's like just has be- like to me when i was little i thought my sister was prettier than me because she's my older sister of course i thought that and um so I, I noticed that shit, you know, and, and I was very young, but I was always a very observant child. I always was like, what the fuck does any of this mean? You know, because I think a lot of kids, they see things, but they don't, you know, t- take it in for what it right. is. Well, it's um, hard when you, when you're, 
when you're under your parents' roof, mm-hmm. it's hard to have any objectivity. Right. Right. And then my dad was like a misogynist. So uh, he would just say stuff about girls and girls can't do this. Girls can't talk like that. Girls don't act like that. And I would, I would be like, why though? I don't understand. Like, and then he would just, oh, because you don't. And it's like, nope, that's not enough for me. Mm -hmm. Explain to me. I need logic behind (laughs) this statement that you're making. Where did your mom fit into all this? She just kind of, you know, she wasn't going to fight with him, but she wasn't going to fight with me either. Mm-hmm. She's like, you figure it out between you two. <laughs> but she always led by example. Like, uh, I remember someone asking me what the best advice my mom ever gave me was. And I was like, nothing. She just lives by example. She just like does what she needs to do. She looks good doing it. And that's, that's it. So I always uh, admired her in that way. Did they raise your brothers differently than absolutely. you? Absolutely. Your- oh, absolutely. Like how? You know, Latino boys are just so precious. And they're allowed to do whatever they want. They're allowed to act however they want. And they're so precious. And it's just, it's just so weird. And then what's crazy is as we got older, it's almost like me and my sister were able to kind of stand on our own two feet in a, in a more uh, productive way than both of my brothers. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's just because we, we, we were, we were just raised to, to push back and stand up for ourselves. So, um, you you clearly have like a strong sense of self. Mm-hmm. Do have you always? Absolutely, always, always. And I, it it stems from my dad. That just like naturally his personality. I just got it. Of course, my father. But his his questioning women and questioning uh, those those things made me kind of get. You know, my whole personality is based on my dad being a misogynist. Mm. I always think about that. Like if he wasn't so anti woman. I would probably, who knows how I would be because I just didn't understand it. And it made me crazy. I was Mm -hmm. like, and there was a thing was most of the stuff he would say we weren't allowed to do. I didn't even want to do those things. I didn't want to go out. I didn't want to go to parties, but I wanted an explanation, right? Reasonable, logical explanation as to why. So I would always push back. We would get into these pointless fights. But for me, I was like, just trying to prove him wrong. Really? Did he ever offer anything? Oh, no, not at all. Girls aren't supposed to do that. Ladies aren't that. But it's just crazy, too, because he's also one of the most feminist men I've ever known, too, because he also made sure that my my parents um, started their own business. I should say my father started his own business and encouraged my mother to learn because uh, he he was like, what are you going to do when I die? How are you going to make money? You don't, you don't have an education in this mm. country. Like, what are you going to do? And that encouraged her to to learn and start making money. And when she started making money, she was like, Oh shit, this is kind of nice. <laughs> so wanting attention, class clown, all of that. At what point did you realize that's what you wanted to do for a career? Oh boy. Um, I didn't know. I, it was never something I wanted to do. Um, I just didn't make sense. I was like, I'm a medicine. I'm going to have kids. I'm going to have six kids. I'm going to get married. I'm gonna, it's going to be so fun. I'm going to raise my kids here. Excuse me. And, um, uh, I was going to school. I was volunteering at a school while I was going to school to be a teacher. And because it's like part of the requirements now, if you want to be a teacher, you have to actually go into the classrooms. And so I was in this first grade class and this kid, um, these kids, these two boys come back from recess and one of them is in tears, just just crying his little face off. And I must have been 20, 19 or 20 at the time. And he... The, you know, the teacher's like, what happened? What's going on? And the other kid has a, a football in his, in, under his arm. And he's he's like, he wanted to play. And I didn't want him to play. And he's like, he wants to share his ball with me. And I started laughing. 
And I was like, oh, no, uh, this is not for me. I'm going to laugh in this child's face. Mm -hmm. And then the teacher, you know, she did the, you know, the diplomatic thing. She tells a kid who has a ball, he should share. And she tells the kid who is crying that not everybody is expected to share with you. That's that's just the truth of the matter. And I was like, damn, she handled that like a champ. But I was like, I can't do this. I'm going to laugh in a crying child's face. I'm going to get in trouble. There's no way I'll ever keep a job. And uh, so I dropped out. Because I was like trying to like take business classes, I was like, I don't know what the fuck to do. I'm going to get some kind of general education. You were and going to? Were you in San Francisco? I was at Stan State um, in Turlock. Um, shout out to Colin Kaepernick at 209. And uh, then I was. Someone suggested to me that I do stand up, and then I was like, Oh yeah, that's actually that makes sense because the thing about entertaining and performing and theater. And all those things, improv, everything. You have to depend on other people. Mm-hmm. And I fucking hate that. Mm-hmm. I don't like to depend on other people. People are unreliable. You can't trust everybody. Even I remember in a theater production. I did one theater production in high school. And I was like this character. I was like this German woman. And then my own brother killed me. And then he's basically wearing her clothes and um, pretending to be a maid of this house. And so I had to... I got all these like wild character... Uh, scenarios to be in and i remember being on stage and some making somebody laugh on stage and they wouldn't they were just they kept breaking and i was getting so pissed i was like (laughs) this is not this is not how this is supposed to go like you're fucking up the scene and we can't move along until you stop laughing and uh, i hated that i hated like that i hated the jimmy fallon basically i was like i can't deal with this (laughs) it's too stressful right and um I was like, okay, I can't, I can't work with groups. I can't do it. And so when someone suggested that I do stand up, I was like, you know what? That makes sense. I, I, I like to depend on myself. I know I'm reliable and I like to talk into microphones. So let's do it. And so, so that's how I did it. Then did you start doing open mics? Yeah. I moved to San Francisco. I enrolled uh, SF state. And then like within a few months I dropped out. Um, and I started going to open mics and, uh, you know, San Francisco scene 13 years ago was not great. Um, it was okay. It was like, uh, me and Ali Wong and Janine Brito and Sherry Seroff competing for the one spot for a woman, <laughs> which was like kind of brutal, you know, that mm-hmm. they only want one woman. So which one is it going to be? Um, and so it was, it was interesting because there was some comedy. It wasn't every night. Now you can find comedy in San Francisco every single night, open mics, showcases, shows, and it's really nice. But when I started 13 years ago, it was, the scene was not great. They have some great comics that came out of, of San Francisco, but the scene back in the day was not what it was in the 90s, you know? I saw a video of you doing an impression of Michael Jackson oh, yeah. in 2009. You're such a good dancer. Oh, thanks. Yeah, I did. Um, I was impersonating him since I was a kid. And um, that was like my my favorite thing to do because I didn't have to rely on myself. I could just be, you know, be Michael Jackson. Mm-hmm. And people loved him watching him dance. So, uh, yeah. And, and, you know, I did it. I taped something for a show that I, I don't even think I'm allowed to say. But it's going to be dropping sometime this year. I don't know when. And it's it's called The Funny Dance Show. I can say that because they, they allowed us to say that. It's called The Funny Dance Show. I don't know when it drops. But I got to do these really hilarious dance routines. And it, like the comment from the judge who was a dancer, she was just like, you can dance. I was like, yeah, I impersonated Michael since I was a kid. She was like, oh, what? if you can do Michael, you can do anything. <laughs> so did I was like, all right, cool. Did you take dance classes? Or? I did not. No, I just I just like to dance. Like in our, in our house, it's like dancing was normal and fun and we would have dance parties at our house you know so would you watch videos of him and then absolutely like imitate imitate it yeah mimic it try to figure it out um 
it was cool yeah i mean that's what he did that's how he learned a lot of his moves he would he would watch um you know kids on the street you know black kids in brooklyn dancing and he would be like i'm gonna take that from you thank mm-hmm. you and uh so yeah that's I, I loved watching him dance it was it was like he was like mesmerizing it's like magic tricks what he would yeah. do with dancing yeah which is what stand-up is it's magic tricks with words you know <laughs> um you're six two i'm six two have people tried to suggest that you model yeah oh yeah since i was a kid absolutely did that ever interest you not at all i mean my mom was like i mean when i was little i was like yeah it sounds like a good idea because you're a fucking kid and you're an idiot you don't know anything <laughs> um but my mom was like yeah that's not happening i was like okay i don't really want to leave anyways mm-hmm. I, I didn't want to leave modesto um if i could do comedy and still live in modesto i would that's how much i love modesto what is it is it suburban like what is it like yeah it's suburban it's just a red county um which is kind of aggressive um but um yeah it's just it's just suburbs Mm -hmm. but it has a mall there's places to eat (laughs) then it's got it all it has it all i I know that i don't know what people expect from their cities yeah or their hometowns how close to fresno is it i want to say 45 minutes or maybe longer than that no maybe an hour and 45 i don't remember okay fresno sucks no just kidding i don't know i don't know anything about fresno um so you're in San Francisco fighting for the one female slot. Yeah. And then did you come to LA from there? I stayed in San Francisco for five, I think five years. And, um, cause I hated San Francisco. I hate, I hate city living. I hate public transportation. I hate cold weather. I hate people. I was like, this is not for <laughs> me. So I left, which is why I never went to New York. Cause people always wonder why I'm not I never did stand up in New York, but I just, oh God. For, not for, for you. Oh God, not at all. I hate public transportation. I hate people. It's cold. Ugh. <laughs> I'm too skinny for that kind of cold weather. Um, but yeah, so I moved to, I kind of like moved to LA and then moved home. I mean, that's, I'm lucky in that sense that like my family is in California because I know some people don't have the luxury of like, all right, I'm leaving LA for a little while just to hide with my family. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so yeah, I, I I technically moved down here when I was 25. I you know got a job, got a place, and then I, I hated LA so much that I just was like going back and forth. I started living out of my car for a few years. Wow! So for four years, I had like this this like uh, plastic containers of like underwear and socks and some clothes, and I would just you know stay with friends, crash with friends, shower wherever. And for four years, I did that. And what was that like? It was pretty brutal. I mean, it it, it was tough, but it 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 built me. It built my my um my ability to kind of withstand anything because mm-hmm. I kind of was living a little more of a I don't want to say luxurious, but I, let's just say I had never not slept in my bed or a bed. Right. Like I, I there was one point where I like one of my friends was was in between. Kevin Avery was had a roommate situation where there was a month where nobody was going to be living in his in his spare room so i like slept on the floor for a month and shit like that where it was like i was just everybody always in la there's so much going on that there's always like somebody needs a house sitter somebody has a spare this somebody has a spare that so i try to just exploit that as as far and long as i could and then i eventually four years in i got exhausted (laughs) so a few years ago I moved in with um, Solomon Giorgio and David Bory, both are really funny comics, and I lived with them. And I was living on their couch for a while, but yeah, I just I just moved out of there. So 13 years later, finally got my own place again. Because when I was in San Francisco, I lived in a studio. It was very nice, but it was like 10 years before I could live somewhere, live on my own now. So mm-hmm. 
It's nice. You said that you got it when you came down here, you got a job. Where was that? I was a bank teller. I was working at a bank. I used to work as a manager of a bank in San Francisco. And, um, which is when I left, I was like, I can't, I can't do, I cannot work. I can't do customer service. Like once you start getting paid for talking however you want, saying her, whatever you want to say, it's really hard to wake up in the morning and say, Oh, how may I help you today? <laughs> and let people just t- talk to you like you're a fucking idiot. Right. It's really, really tough when at night you're getting, you're literally getting money to do whatever you want. And in terms of language and telling people to fuck off if they don't like you. And in the morning, just, oh my God, it just, I couldn't do it anymore. I was like, I can't do this. Did you ever get in trouble? At uh, the bank? I don't think so. But I, you, you could tell I was starting to like lose it because any job, any customer service job, those, those customers always have the same stupid fucking jokes, you know? Like, how would you like your cash? In <laughs> nickels. <laughs> you know, like those annoying ass yeah. things that they're hardly working, working hard. <laughs> and it's just like, <laughs> at first you're like, <laughs> and then at a certain point I just was like, I can't even fake, I cannot fake these laughs anymore. I cannot fucking do it. So I left and I was just doing odd jobs here and there. And then when I moved to LA, I did get a bank teller job and that didn't last very long. Um, but that was, I quit actually because my manager, who was a woman, wouldn't let me go. Uh, my sister had given birth to her first child uh, in Modesto. And I was like, oh, my sister wants me to come to Modesto. So I'm going to go. Is it okay? And she said, absolutely not. And I was like, well, then here are my keys. You can fuck off. That's my sister and her child. Like, no, yeah. you, can't, you can't take that away from me. And um, it was kind of nice. So we, every time, you know, every birthday she has, I'm like, oh, it's been six years since I quit the bank. I know exactly when it was um but and and then when i was here a little longer i i started working at um this restaurant raisin stark bar at lacma and i was just a bus boy there and i fucking loved it it was the best job i think i've ever had because i was getting like physical work i didn't have to do any customer service Mm -hmm. because i was a busser and um and i and then we got all of my friends hired nico santos who's in crazy rich asians in a superstore he was the first one that worked there as a host and he got a bunch of comedians hired as servers. But I was the first one that got hired there through him. And then there was a big fat group of us. And it was so fucking fun working there. So it was really cool. How come you stopped? Uh, my dad passed away in 2013. And um, my mom asked me to come home. So I was like, all right, cool. I'll leave now. And so I took a break. But I have not had a like a customer service job since then. 2013, yeah. Um. So it sounds like even though you and your dad had conflict, you guys had a good re- a good relationship. I mean, I don't want to say it was ever good, but I certainly had uh, a respect and understanding for him. And you know, I went to therapy when I was twenty five, and that was very useful. Um, but it was it, there's there's never any denying their influence. You know, mm-hmm. like even though we butted heads and we had our problems, um, I still I still know I am who I am because of him. You know. Not just through genes, but, you know, even like how anti-government I am and how anti-cop I am. It's all through my dad because he was always like calling shit out. Like George Carlin was his favorite stand-up comedian. Um, He never found me funny, but he loved Carlin. So I was (laughs) exposed to Carlin at a young age and I was like fascinated by like my dad's fascination with him. Right. You know, because I feel like my dad learned a lot about government, politics, everything through George Carlin, uh, which I always has always stayed with me. And, um, which is why I do think stand up can be powerful and important, um, because 
I mean, I saw it with my own eyes as a little kid. Even when I didn't understand it, when I wasn't allowed to listen to it, I was like, I see that this thing is powerful and it's making him laugh. Mm-hmm. And it's making him like yell at the t- TV in agreeance, you know? But he didn't find you funny. No. He was, a, he was a Latino from a third world country. He just, women are supposed to do one thing and one thing only. Do you and mean he didn't find your stand up funny or he didn't find your general? Like, yeah, he didn't get it. Vibe. He definitely <laughs> didn't get it. Uh, which it was so funny because I was like, I'm you. I'm I'm literally you as a woman. Like, I don't understand how you don't understand. And even my own mom would be like, I don't get what the problem is here. Like, yeah. she's you. Like, you fight because she's you. Um. So, but whatever. I got older and I was like, all right, I need to stop fighting this old man. And then he got sick and he died. So I was like, well, I need to deal with these issues before it gets worse. Yeah, well, that's what I was going to ask. I'm always curious how that is when you lose a parent when it's apparent that you had um tough issues with yeah that's, and that's like I ha- it's a selfish question i have because both my parents are still alive but like i have and i get along with them but i've you know got all sorts of issues <laughs> right right i mean i i definitely realize you know because i didn't really date for a long time and then when i the first guy i dated i realized like he he was a uh he was my dad. Mm. Like his personality was my dad, but it wasn't until we got intimate that I was like, "Whoa, isn't what that is interesting?" Happening here because like, he started. What did I do? He started yelling at me. This guy I was dating, like finger in my face, talking down to me, yelling, and it was so. I was. I. I don't react to that because yeah. my dad yelled at us. So I was like. When I, I remember thinking as a kid, all right, don't yell when you get older. Just never yell. There's no point to yelling. It doesn't improve the conversation. It doesn't do anything. No one is just like, you know, he's yelling. Let's really listen to right. what he's got to say. <laughs> Nobody reacts like that. Right. So I remember making that note like, okay, never yell when you grow up. Okay, cool. Noted. And I never, I don't yell. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have a temper, but I don't yell. Um, and that this guy was like yelling at me, talking down to me. It was, it was in my face. And I was just sitting there and I was like looking at him, you know, hand on the chin, like kind of like are you done just kind of looking at him it made him even more crazy mm. but i just didn't i was like oh i'm dating my father wow <laughs> i had no idea because of course you don't see that when they're right. trying to charm you you don't see that that and so i was like all right i'm gonna go to therapy i'm gonna go to therapy right now because i don't want to date a man like this um and so uh that helped me kind of deal with those issues because i didn't know that they were there mm-hmm. until i started dating that dude and um and that thankfully happened before my dad got sick with cancer so i was like able to have a conversation with him before he passed away which was really helpful because i don't think all my siblings did and i could see the unresolved Mm -hmm. issues and trauma that they've had to deal with but i was very fortunate that i i you know i could see that there was a problem that needed to be fixed i fixed it and i moved forward so you were able to have a conversation with him where you talked about the stuff you were feeling well more just like the problems we had when when i was a kid and you know when when we lived together you know and he was open to that he was you know it's it was interesting because he was so um he was so um he kind of was like why why was it like this like what the like what was the problem and then at the end of it because i just i was so clear in my explanation and and what and kind of challenging him too in that moment um but at the end of it he was like all right cool (laughs) <laughs> he just like chilled and it was fu- i was like so weird what, what is the weirdest conversation i've ever had but, but it sounds like you got some resolution from absolutely it. yeah absolutely it was oh, really good. so nice yeah it was really that's nice so and, and I'm, i did it you know right in the nick of time i mean i know that um a couple of my siblings did not so i'm sure they have a lot of 
I don't know. One of, you know, I hope they go to his grave and they talk to him because I don't yeah. know how the hell they're dealing with that shit. Do you miss him? Um, I can't answer that question. I really don't know because there's moments where I can see that my life is better without him. And there are moments where I'm like, oh, this would be nice if he was here. Mm-hmm. Um, miss. I don't know about miss, though. Yeah. Right. You said that you don't yell, which I relate to that so strongly because I grew up in a house with yelling mm-hmm. as well. And I have like no tolerance for it. Right. Um, but you said that you have a temper. I do have a temper. How does it get expressed? Oh, in different ways. I mean, I'm very honest with people. So like if, if something's wrong, like I will express it, which usually people have a problem with. I mean, I think that the reality of someone who has a temper or someone who's mad or someone who expresses themselves in any way is most people can't deal with the truth. Um, so it actually doesn't like, I have a lot of people who are quote unquote scared of me <laughs> and, um, I, 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 people close to you, everything. I it's kind of weird. Cause I just, I'm like, what are you scared of? Cause the thing, the only thing that I do is tell the truth. I don't like hit people. I don't like into, I, I mean, I'm physically intimidating, but I don't stand over people and right. intimidate them as I've seen Ben do to women. Um, so I'm not really sure that people are scared of me or they're just scared of the truth because sometimes it's like do you want do you want to do you even know how to talk about these things because i'm just saying the thing that is on my mind that i believe is to i believe to be true and i think that scares people yeah i know when i was younger i think that the quality i valued most was like someone being nice Mm -hmm. um and then and i still value that a lot kind i value kindness. kindness but as i got older i realized how much I value a good friend who is willing to say something truthful to you, even if it might upset you and who knows how to do it in a way that's not shitty. Because I think we've all also had those friends, those underminer friends who are like, I just think you should know. And then you're like, I, you're actually just being a shithead. Right. Right. I mean, I, I think a lot of people confuse character and demeanor. I think that people do put too much value on people who are nice or people who seemingly do nice things, but you, what if they're being fake? Like right. you have to be able to distinguish who's being real and, and, and fake. Um, but I mean, uh, I think character and demeanor is the thing that people, you know, confuse and they, t- they put more value on one over the other. Um, and I learned that through my dad too. You know, I, I learned that I was like, Oh, if you like take away the layers of him, like losing his shit all <laughs> the time, you realize what he's trying to say. Like he just doesn't know how to express himself. And then one of my brothers who was like, the nicest, most charming guy. He's a piece of shit. Like mm. he was a piece of shit and he treated all the women in his life like shit. And so that was one of my first lessons of like, including you. Um, or do you mean yeah, like kind his- of, no, I mean like girlfriends yeah. and, and relationships. That was when it was really bad. Um, but like, I, I was like, Oh, I was like at a very young age, like, Oh, okay. All right. Don't confuse the guy with the fucking Superman face as just because he looks like Superman or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. like that, that you, you got to see what they're about first before you can kind of de- establish your thoughts on them. Right. That's the problem. So you dated this guy who you realized was your dad, <laughs> essentially. Um, and then you went to therapy. Did you continue that pattern? Um, that's a good question. I, I mean, not in that, that layer, not in that like presenting kind of way. Um, but I definitely have bad taste in men. Yes. Still. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. Is there a specific pattern you find yourself in repeatedly? I, 
I think nice men, like true kind men are actually quite frightened of me. Mm -hmm. And so I like, if they are uh, drawn to me, I can't tell. And so I just don't go for it because I unfortunately have to be the aggressor uh, because I'm so such a quote unquote intimidating woman. Um, So like the true nice men, like I'll meet nice men and I'm like, oh, you seem not. And then you're, of course you're in a relationship. Like, good for you. You should be. You're great. (laughs) And, um, and then the guys who are always available are always the shit bags, the liars, the, you know, the guys who will say anything. Um, and, but those are the men who like take an interest in me. Yeah. Um, so I'm in a, in a really, I just ended something too, but it's like, it's weird because it's like, well, I don't know. I don't know what, I, at this point, I don't know what the fuck to do, you know? Um, and it's not like my homegirls all have, you know, good track records or, or better luck. It's just, it's it's i don't i don't even know i can't i don't, I don't like talking about dating or relationships because i truly have no fucking idea what the fuck to do i went through a f- I, so i used to always go for the wrong kind of guy and i right. went through a phase where the ones that i was i was always drawn to the guys who like came on really strong right. and like seduced me and swept me off my feet and then it would turn out that like it really meant nothing to them right. or they were in a relationship and then i realized that like a guy who actually respects you and wants something real with you isn't going to come on so strong it's the guy who's married who's going to come on so strong because there's no stakes for him exactly so it's tough it's really tough it's funny too because i was um i've had such a bad luck like a bad streak of luck with men my friend lydia um she I called her after this conversation I had with this dude and I was like, dude, I don't know what the fuck to do anymore. And cause I, it, every time I've, I've seen something and a, a problem, I should say, whenever there's a problem that I'm like, Oh, this is because of this. I see it. I need to fix. I'm really good. I remember my last therapist was like, you're really efficient. I really, you really like do the, the work. And I, and like, cause I would read the books. I would do all, I would do all the work. Isn't there nothing better than a compliment from a therapist? Absolutely. I mean, she was <laughs> even just like, you know, you can come once a month. You're just so good. Like I don't have to. And I'm like, Oh my God, it's so nice. Um, but, uh, so every anytime I dated the guy and I was like, oh, I see what this is. I see what the problem is for me as a as a like the damage that was done and I'm bringing into this. So I'd fix that problem and then I'd find someone else and then there would be another thing and I'd yeah. have to fix that problem. And, there, and then it was funny because it's so this last guy, I called my friend Lydia and she, and I was like, dude, I don't know what the fuck to do. I was like in tears. I don't know what the fuck to do anymore. And she's like, you know, Marcella, I'm not gonna lie. I you've had the worst <laughs> streak of luck than of as of all the women that i'm friends with she's like i just don't know anyone who's had so many bad back-to-back bad things happen and you still put in the work and you still improve yourself for the next guy and and, and you're doing the work and it's you, it, like you're you're changing and you're growing she's like but you keep finding a new guy with a new thing that is like i, you can, I can't even enjoy my own productivity that's mm-hmm. what sucks about it it's very yeah. it's very it's a pickle well it's tough because on the one hand, you go like, what am I doing to, mm-hmm. to attract this? On the other hand, it can be oftentimes them. Yeah. You know, it I might, mean, I, I've, it, I'm, dr- I'm, a, I'm uh, attracting pathological liars, which is a fascinating thing. Yeah. I don't know what the fuck to do about that. That's interesting. Yeah. I wish I, I wish I knew. I, I wish, wish I, I could too. be like, just do this. Yeah, I know. It's very weird. <laughs> like guys with double lives, that level of pathological lying? Or? Yeah, some. Some with double lives, some that are honest about their double lives, some that are, um, which is so weird, but it's like, I, I remember just being like, all right, well, this guy's being honest. He's in a polyamorous relationship. She seems to be cool with it. 
let me just try this out and see how it goes. And oh God, that was a fucking mess. Cause she was not cool with it. <laughs> oh, so that's what he was lying yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. And then it turned into, I was like, oh, he's lying about a lot of things. Like once you start peeling, you know, the onion, right. you're like, oh shit, this stinks. Would you get into a polyamorous situation again? I mean, if it made sense, I, I mean, at, at that point where I was at with this dude, I was like, oh, I'm not trying to get married anyways. Like, I'm so sick of like putting my own expectations on someone else, you know? Mm-hmm. I was like, fuck it. This is fun. We have fun. We get along. I guess she's cool with it. But the problem was she was not cool with it. Yeah. And then it was like, all right, what does that mean for me as a woman, as a feminist, you know? That's tough. It's super tough. But that's what I was saying. It's like I'm getting these new these new problems. It's just me. I'm the problem. That's what I've established. <laughs> so let's talk about your album, The Woke Bully. The Woke Bully. What is The Woke Bully a reference to? It's me. I'm a. I'm very woke and I'm quite a bully. Um, actually, you know what? Uh, what's the name of the comedian? Um, oh, my God. I can't remember his name. There's a, a comic who I was telling him a story. Um so I was doing an audition, uh, you know, a festival audition, and uh, and I hate I hate this festival. And I hate <laughs> auditioning for them, and I did it because my manager talked me into it. And this was like two years ago, maybe. And um, there was a comic before me, this young woman who was shitting on poor people. Oh, that's what her set set was. She did five minutes, and she just chose to just shit on poor people and um, talk about how like how loose change. She's like only poor people deal with loose change. Like that was her. Oh my god, it was the worst set I've seen. And then she started talking shit about mayonnaise. Like there was all this shit where I was just and she's just talking shit about poor people and how they love mayonnaise and how they love change. Like all this dumb, like really super ignorant shit. And she was bombing, of course. She wasn't funny. But so she was wearing like a white outfit, bleach blonde hair, you know, white skin. And so I went on stage after her. Uh, and the first thing I said was, how does a bitch that looks like mayonnaise going to talk shit about it? <laughs> and the uh, the room was filled with like the people that are auditioning, managers, Asians, the, the festival. They didn't laugh. But I heard one black woman in the back just go, ha ha. <laughs> and I was like, "That's I know that's funny because she laughed. Um, but anyways, so I was telling my, sto- my friend this story and he was like, Marcella, you're like a woke bully. <laughs> and I was like, I am a woke bully. Because <laughs> I do. I, bu- I, try to bu- I try to bully people who, you know, have, ugh, are just too powerful. Um, and so, yeah. So that's where that name comes from. But it's, it's because I, sometimes I, you know, I try, to, I try to tackle subject matter that not everybody wants to touch. Um, and um, I, I, I think I, that I take risks. I don't know. Maybe I do. Maybe I don't. Sometimes on Twitter, it's it's a little more a little more aggressive on Twitter because <laughs> um, I have an aggressive uh, tweet habit. But um, yeah, that's what that is. It's a woke bully. But I, on the album, I talk about like gentrification and how it's not white people's fault. And I talk about um, I talk about you know you tr- Trump. I talk about um, all kinds of shit. I can't think of everything right now, but. Um, it's funny. Where'd you record it? At the San Francisco Punchline. That's where I started. So nice. And did you video it as well? I did not. No, I didn't want to. Too much pressure. Mm-hmm. I was like, I don't want to have to worry about looking good too. <laughs> uh, you said that you tackle um, stuff that not everyone wants to talk about. Is there any specific material that you find that's like the most dicey when you perform it, or that's? That, have you had an experience where you feel like you've gone too far or like the audience isn't ready for this yet? Um, yeah, I mean, even in on the album, I do talk about something that I know is going to upset people on the left, which is um, kind of why I do it because I, I, 
I don't mind pissing off everybody. Uh, it's kind of fun to me. I mean, that's I, I started thinking about how part of what motivates me is anger because like my, I realized when I was, I mean, as young as six and seven years old, my dad was saying these misogynistic things and I would like, it would drive me nuts and I would challenge him, you know? And I was like, oh, that's what my whole stand-up career is, is me trying to like challenge certain ideas uh, on either side sometimes. Um, but I, I've definitely said some things on stage that I probably wouldn't say anymore. And, uh, but that's how you grow. Can you, you if you don't want to say specifically what they were, that's fine. But like what category of thing? Oh God. I mean, cause I can, t- I, the thing is I'll talk about anything political, political stuff or just like, you know, men and women, gender stuff, relationship stuff. Um, and it, the, the reality of stand up is no matter what you talk about, you're going to piss someone off unless you're like Jim Gaffigan. Like they're, you're going to piss someone off if you have a, just any kind of unique opinion. Mm-hmm. And um, that's what makes it one of the hardest art forms, right? Is you're getting on stage and you're saying your opinions and you're trying to make them funny, but there's no guarantee that the people sitting in front of you are going to find it funny or right. are going to agree with you. I had somebody walk out on me at my hometown of Modesto, the show that I did, but they were like, I thought they were young women. I couldn't see it was pitch black in there. And I was like, what were they mad about? And, and I, I remember like talking about, you know, the gay club that I frequent in Modesto, the Tiki Lounge. And I was like, is that when they left? It's kind of weird. And then afterwards, Lydia, my friend told me, excuse me, Lydia told me, she's like, uh, they were 70 year old women in walkers. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I for sure said a lot of shit that they, they wouldn't like, you know? Uh, my mom was like, I think they didn't like the abortion joke. <laughs> and uh, it's like, yeah, I mean, there's plenty of things that a 70 year old person wouldn't want me to joke about. But also, what are they? A comedy club should be somewhere that everyone goes. But exactly. what are they doing there? I know. I was like, <laughs> oh, you do need to go to bed. It is past your bedtime, <laughs> for sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, I like taking risks. Sometimes it's just to, it's to my own detriment. I also try to consider the audience. Um, you know, if I'm in Texas, I'm not going to be like doing super liberal material. That's, you know, shooting myself in the foot. I'm going to try to challenge them a little bit. Um, cause that's sometimes the other, the other obstacle is, can I, can I, how far can I say a thing with it without it actually being offensive? Right. You know, um, I remember in Texas, there was a, an audience that was very interesting. I remember specifically this older white dude. He didn't find me funny the whole night. Did not find me funny. Did not laugh at anything I said. Um, and then there was a moment where there was like these really loud drunk girls going to the bar. I mean, I'm sorry, going to the bathroom and I go, Oh, these drunk white girls. I just said something about drunk white girls, which is what they were. The, no, not in an offensive way. Mm-hmm. And some woman was like, "Oh, why must why do they got to be white?" And she was a white woman. I was like, first of all, they are white. <laughs> like this is not like saying white people isn't like offensive. That's just what they are, and they're drunk. And she kept trying to argue with me. And I looked to the guy who didn't. I was like, "Sir, you haven't found me funny all night. <laughs> you found everything I said offensive. Is calling those drunk girls drunk white women offensive?" And he goes, "Not at all." <laughs> the whole crowd lost it because it was just like, "Yeah, he hasn't laughed, but he is on my side on this because yeah. I'm not wrong on this lady." Like, <laughs> sorry, bitch, but no. So there's something will always offend anyone everyone's offended by something it's a matter of trying to tiptoe around everyone at the same time you know is that what you do i think so i mean some people find me very offensive and some people don't find me offensive at all so i don't know do you care not at all i want that (laughs) (laughs) you know i was i was just talking to someone about how 
you know, trolls when like right wing trolls, when they don't like something I say, they try to insult me, but I can't be like my dad called me a cunt when I was 12 years old. There is <laughs> no hurting my feelings. I'm sorry. Like you can't do it. Like I already did that. It's happened. You can't do it. You're mm-hmm. a complete stranger on the internet. I don't care about you. What What were the circumstances? Oh God, I don't know. I was being a cunt probably. <laughs> <laughs> he probably wasn't wrong. <laughs> um, okay, let's take some questions that listeners sent in on Patreon and Twitter. I'm on Patreon. Patreon.com slash Allison Rosen is where you go. There's bonus episodes, behind the scenes content, all sorts of fun stuff. And one of the perks is you uh, get your question in ahead of everyone else. And we have a little song. When we ask, they send them in They're wondering how you have been So thanks so much for answering These questions from our fans Okay, Whitney C. says What's a story that leaps to mind about a pet you've had? Parentheses, if you've never had a pet, a neighbor Um, so when I was nine uh, My dad came home with like a box and there was a dog in it, and he was saying, because my dad was a mailman, so he said that behind one of the churches he delivers, um, there was a bunch of puppies, and my dad just grabbed a puppy, and that was our first dog, Muñeca, that means doll in Spanish. And um, the, the actually, this is a story I just told recently, when, when I was 21, which is when I started comedy, which I told my brother, when I moved to San Francisco, she's going to die, because she was my best friend. Mm-hmm. I was her best friend. And she felt like she was going to die of a broken heart. Yes, she did. Within six months, she was dead. And what was crazy was um, she died in my arms. We were going to put her to sleep in the the morning. Was she old? She was 12 and a half. I mean, she could have had a couple more years, but it was like pretty brutal of me to abandon her (laughs) when she was getting up there, you know? Uh, And then she, she had this little growth and it just got bigger and bigger. And, um, but it was it was it was kind of like it was it was pretty crazy but i just like i she was supposed to be put down in the morning but i was like no she's gonna she she we can't do that to her so i just stayed awake with her and i was like it's okay you can go you can go and she died in my arms my my sister was there with me and or with us and even my sister was like that was fucking crazy she's like you told her to go and she did she like howled out in my arms and she just passed away yeah and then, you know, me and my sister were the only ones that saw it. And, you know, it's not like I'm, like, repeating that to everybody. And then when, you know, we buried her in the backyard, as we did with all our pets. And my parents actually bought a little... You know how they have, like, stone animals? Mm-hmm. So they could only find a wolf. <laughs> um, so they're like, oh, we'll just put this for her. But the wolf was howling out. And I told my parents, I was like, did they tell you that she howled out? That was her last thing she did? And they're like, no. And I was like, yeah, well, that's the last thing she did. So now when I see it, I'm like, no, that's her. Yeah. So it's pretty, yeah. What kind of dog was she? She was a mix. She was a dingo and a German shepherd. So big. Yeah. She had 50 pounds. Yeah. She took up all the space on the bed. In fact, when she, after she passed away, I, um, slept straight up against the wall for like months. Cause I was like, I don't know how to sleep without her. So I was, it was kind of, it was kind of sad. Yeah. That is so sad. Sweet, but sad. Yeah. She was Um, a good dog. She had a, she had a big personality. Whitney, what are you doing asking me sad <laughs> questions? Even though there was nothing in her question that was sad. Okay, now some questions from Twitter. Here's one that I don't understand. And I don't know if it's a reference to a joke you have or if it's just an inscrutable question. Who did it better, Jesus or Ranch? I, that's not 
a reference to any of my material. I think that's just a person asking a very white question. <laughs> okay. I say Jesus. I'm wearing a cross right now. I'm Catholic. My mom would be mad if I answered any other way. <laughs> Jesus. Jesucristo. Uh, okay. Another question from my tweets. K asterisk LL fascist. Well, complicated. When a routine works in one room on one night, but not in another room on another night, what's the process of deciding between amending the routine or accepting that some audiences just suck sometimes? I mean, some audiences do suck sometimes. Um, and that goes back to what I was just talking about. Like in Texas, it's knowing I'm in front of a conservative audience and knowing that if I decide to stick to my material, I will probably bomb and they will walk out and they'll ask for a refund. Or if my ego needs to be stroked and I need laughs. So what do I do in front of them? Do I just make sure not to do certain material? Um, but that sometimes, you know, a joke that kills does not work in front of another audience. And you do have to consider the audience. I hate when people say don't blame the audience because that's just not true. That like, <laughs> especially now politically, people are well, yeah. so divided um, that you, sometimes the bookings are are not right. Like sometimes it's like, why would you book me in front of, you know, this conservative church crowd, you know, like going back to like those 70 year old women being on my show, like what the fuck were they thinking? They shouldn't be there to begin with. Like, I'm not for them. If you're, if you're a 70 year old conservative, you know, white person in Modesto, like, yeah, you shouldn't come see me. Like I specifically told them in the article to include that I upset like super right wing and super left wing people. Cause I do. Um, and I'm okay with that, but I'm letting other people know, like, no, I'm letting you know, it's going to be your fault. <laughs> If you come to my shit. Um, but yeah, I mean, every now and again, I'll look at a joke that I'm like, okay, this isn't offensive. It just doesn't work because they're, they're, that's the other thing is, is this not working or is it not funny? Right. Um, what, wh- how, is, how do you assess that? You have to just keep doing it and trying it and figuring it out. And sometimes, you know, you kind of start taking, like, that's why a lot of comics look at the audience, like look at the room from the back to see, okay, are these people laughing at anything? That's why a lot of comics, if they're headlining, they watch the openers because they're like, okay, dirty's not working. Okay, clean's not working. Okay, politics isn't working. What do I, What am I going to talk about? Right. Um, and sometimes I've been in front of audiences where I'm like, nothing is working. I have to just do crowd work. And just because these people just are in so in the moment that there is no act that would work. And then I'm my instincts are right. I've been stand up and I've been touring long enough that I know that sometimes people just want to be insulted to their face. That's what they like. They like a little bullying. And, um, and it works. So have you had a joke where you feel that it is funny, but you've had to let it go because it just like, it just doesn't work. I mean, I've definitely, I definitely have jokes that, um, yes, I do. I do have jokes that I, I think is funny and then it just, it doesn't make sense or it's too offensive or it's too this or it's too that. And you do have to kind of accept like, who who is this joke for? If it, like, is it just for me? Right. And if it is just for me, is it worth wasting my time on? You know. Um, okay. Bu- Buka or Bucha King, ask her what are her favorite rappers that she listens to and why. My favorite rappers. I mean, MF Doom. I would say is probably my favorite rapper. He's this underground rapper, and he. The thing is, all of my favorite rappers are all funny. Like, that's the one thing I have now noticed about myself. Like, Ghostface Killa is my favorite. Kanye was my favorite for a long time. Um, and they, they're just, they're funny. They're very, very funny. They're clever. They make you laugh. They make you think. They are, they're, because I've always associated uh, rap 
with comedy. Um, I always think about how, like, if you go to um, a hip-hop show and there's a battle rapper situation or a cypher happening and people are rapping off the top of their head, if it's not funny, nobody gives a shit. Um, and the best rappers are very, very funny. I had a friend suggest a rapper to me, and I'm like, no, I've listened to her. I just don't like her because she's just not funny. She's kind of boring. She's mm-hmm. great, and she's smart, and she's cool, and the beats are good. But if it isn't funny, I do not want to listen to it. What's a cypher? Oh, <laughs> I mean, I know uh, like what a cipher is mathematically, but oh, that's funny. Uh, when people are like, uh, "Wait, hang on a second. Tony Thaxton, guest producer. Do you know what a cipher is? No, I don't. Okay. <laughs> Not with that cool jacket. You don't know what a cipher is. I know. I'm a musician too. Oh wow! Um, it's basically when people is usually when there's a group of people at a rap show, but it can happen. We could have a cipher right here uh, if we Let's wanted it. to, <laughs> and people just start uh, freestyle rapping. Um, and a lot of the time it kind of just flows organically. Like I can start rapping about something and then I'll start rapping about moms. And then you're like, you just, we connect and you're like, I'm going to take this over. And then you keep going and then you insult him and he jumps in to defend him. And it just kind of turns into this like big, crazy show. And it's fun. And it's ciphers can be the best because if, especially if they're not for television, because they have some, these BET ciphers. But they're so constructed for television that it really takes the beauty out of what ciphering really is, which is being able to say whatever you want, however you want to say it, because the best rappers are wordsmiths and they can, you know, double entendre this and reference to that and a joke about your mom over here. And they just, they do everything if they're good and it's the most entertaining shit. And if you're just sitting in the circle of an audience you're just like it's like a magic trick just like comedy it's a fucking magic trick and i i I love it is it c-i-p-h-e-r cypher c-y-p-h-e-r um speaking of sort of how was your experience working on drop the mic i hated it i really hated it i really (laughs) fucking hated it i fucking love that that is your answer i mean not specifically but most people most people will be like it was great and then off mic they're like it was terrible no i hated it i just it's such a it's such a whitewash show it's it's supposed to be about rap and they've really fucked it up um it's entertaining for a lot of people and it can be cool um but i've noticed that the only people that have really good battles are people who push back on on the um people running the show um because the writers don't get as much uh writing in is i would i would have liked um but whatever you had the one of the best ones that i saw that i was a part of which did get my you know my words in there was usher versus um anthony anderson Mm -hmm. but these are two men who are live music are like do comedy so they know they their instincts are right they're not scared to push back they also don't want to look like jackasses um so they pushed back really hard and were like, I'm not doing this. Like I want to do this and I want to, let me, let's try something different. And that was one of the best ones I was a part of. And my lines were in that one. Um, and it was really funny because their comedic instincts are correct and their performance instincts are correct. And they don't mind kind of knowing, especially with rapping, like I said, in a rap battle, you know that you're, you might get insulted, but that's par for the course. And also if like, it's, it's funner if you are, are in like in on the joke too, you're like, Oh fuck, you made fun of my mom. No, I got to make fun of your mom. Like let's, let's keep this shit going and going. It's supposed to be a circle. And they had a lot of fun with it. Cause they didn't, they didn't mind being insulted. That's other problem with a lot of the people and celebrities that are on that show is they don't want to be insulted about certain things. It's like, right. oh, you can't say this. You can't say this about me. You can't say this about me. Oh, you can't bring like this roasts. up. 
it's like, oh my God, like this is not fun, you know? Um, so that's what kind of was shitty about it. I'm still getting residual checks, so I can't really complain too much. But yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't really like working for writing for television. Okay. Lab Bavarduce mm. would like to know what's her favorite lipstick? Oh, right now I'm not, I'm not wearing it cause I couldn't find it. But, um, that Rihanna, the Fenty, the, the red, I forget what it's called. I love that. That's my favorite lipstick right now. But I think for the longest time I was wearing, uh, Max Russian red. That was my favorite since I was a teenager. So those are my top two reds. I'm admiring your eyeshadow right now. Oh, what kind you. is that? It's uh, from Huda, H-U-D-A, the nude palette. I love it. I actually gave it to my mom for her birthday, I believe, and she loves it too. It's really good because it's like, um, it's not a problem for me because I have white skin, but um, I have a friend who was saying, because she has darker toned skin, she was saying how like pinks are hard to see on brown skin, mm-hmm. which I didn't realize because it's not my experience. Um, and so I was like really excited to buy it for my mom because I was. She's, it looks really good on her too. Got to take a picture of you and your and your perfect eyeshadow. And this is the kind of behind the scenes content <laughs> that people on Patreon have access to. Um, okay, and and thank you for noticing. I got all dolled up. Just for you. <laughs> thank you. And lastly, view from my office would like to know best memory from her appearances on At Midnight damn still miss that show i miss that show too i miss that money too fuck um, yeah it did pay nicely yeah i um also you said six times i believe i was on there either seven or eight times oh really very much i'm uh, sorry <laughs> i uh i don't know man i love that show i you know my favorite thing because people always ask about how much of it was pre-written and I, my favorite thing to do was bring my friends um, to the green room and I mean, to the dressing room and to help me because I I know for myself I'm more myself and more in the in my best like joke mode joke writing mode when my friend my closest friends are around. So sometimes I would have a fucking big ass group, and that was my favorite thing. Mm-hmm. Was some you know some of them wouldn't even be writing jokes; we would just be having a ball and we would just drink all their drinks and eat all their food. <laughs> And that's my favorite memory. I have a bunch of pictures with a bunch of my my comic friends. And this is back when we were all pretty much still struggling, still had day jobs. And we just were like, fuck it. Let's like hang out on this lot and just be a part of this. And it was so fun. So yeah, I, I love that was having all my friends there with me all the time. Um, all right. Now we're going to do a segment called How Dare You. Okay. It's new-ish. It's where I ask you nosy personal questions. Okay. And if you don't want to answer, you can say, how dare you? Uh, Which, by uh, the way, I say all the time. So really? I, I very so much support this segment. Perfect. Yeah. Um, to get a sense of where we're headed, I like to ask before we start, on a scale of 1 to 10, 1 being your extremely private, 10 being your closed book. Where would, I mean, I mean you're an open, open book. book. <laughs> I mean, I, yourself? I'm both. I'm very private about a lot of certain things and I'm very open about other things. I mean, you already heard that today, this hour you've heard a lot of shit that, yeah. I mean, it's just a matter of if I'm in the mood to answer the question. Well, I guess we'll find out we then. Find out. All right, let's hear the little thing. Happy to be on the show. Ask me anything you want to know. And I'll be sure to What? How dare you? All right. Have you ever been caught masturbating? No, I have not. Okay. Um, what is the most you've spent on a single item car house stuff excluded? Um, you know, I bought these, um, thigh high suede boots from Stuart Weitzman 
that was one of the biggest expensive i, I want to say they were like 600 bucks and that was a lot for me and they were on sale i was very proud of that but it was one of, it was like a for me it was like a business expense like a write-off because it's i get i only wear them on stage and they're actually half size too small um so i can only wear them for a limited amount of time they just look so good because it's so because i'm so thin it's hard for me to find uh the boot the the calf part that fits me right because the bigger the the shoe is the wider the calf area gets um what size are you shoe size i'm like a 12 and a half 13 in women's so where do you, that must be hard to find it's shoes super hard yeah um i i just kind of i've i mean i'm glad now i make a little money so i'm not having to like only buy payless shoes because that was literally payless for the longest time was the only place i could find shoes um but actually now i can't really find shoes there so i don't really buy there anymore i would still would if they fit me but they rarely do do but, you shop a lot? Do you buy shoes a lot online? Yeah, I mean, I try to go on Zappos because they have large sizes. But I mean, and I like because they have the free shipping both ways, so it's yeah. no risk. But um, it's just hard because I'm I have such skinny ankles and calves, so it's just kind of tough. What do these um, six hundred dollar boots look like? They're just knee high suede. They're very I, um, are they black. They are black. Yes, yeah, so, they're oh, they're hot. They're really nice. <laughs> I just can't wear them for a long time. I hurt my foot wearing them the last time I wore them. Um, okay. Let's see. I have categories. So I have like sex, relationships, miscellaneous. Have you ever had a threesome? No. Do you have any interest in it? I'm not propositioning you. (laughs) (laughs) Me, you and the baby. Um, no, sorry. That was gross. Uh, no, I don't, I think I'm too lazy for threesome. I don't know that I really have an interest. I mean, I think it exists in like the fantasy level, but not one that I would want to act out because it just, the idea of, well, cause I'm, I'm married and the idea of like, and it's, by the way, it's something my husband and I have never even talked about. Right. I don't think I'm enlightened or whatever word enough. I don't, I think bringing another person in would just like open up a host of issues. I agree. For I, me, I'm least. just like, it sounds exhausting. Like it's already enough with one person. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, this is, I'm like, well, cause it's also like, when am I supposed to, I have never slept with a woman. So like, I don't know what to do with her and, and I don't want to learn right. for that. And then with another dude, I'm like, well, how, how many holes am I going to get filled at once? <laughs> I just sounds just like a lot. It's just painful. Presumably you would know what to do with the woman because you are a woman. Yeah, but that's not, I mean, that's also not, because it's, it's not even just that. It's what's expected. What right. are the expectations? Like, what, how far does it have to go? Yeah. Because it's like, I'm not, I'm not trying to, it's just a lot. Yeah. I did find myself in a situation, and I have told this story before, but I feel like it's been a while, where it was like headed to a threesome and I exited. My friend and I were at this bar. Um, and there was this guy who was like a cute, charming guy. And I don't know how, I mean, this was our local bar that was like a few blocks from our house. I, I feel like I spent my twenties there when I lived down there before I moved to New York. Um, so he came back to the house with us and we were, it was just like keeping the party going. Yeah. Um, and he had recently gotten a sunburn and he asked if we wanted to peel his back, which is... Ew. I know! Kinky. Who is That's turned disgusting. on by that? There's, yeah. there's women and men who are into it. So my friend was on board for peeling the back. Ugh. And <laughs> so I think he took his shirt off. 
And then he's like, Allison, like pointing to his back. And, and I, I don't remember exactly how I did it. Oh my God, this is so gross. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but like I knew, I could tell that he was trying to get this to become a threesome, but I'm just like, okay, bye. And yeah. I just went upstairs Good and went for to you. bed. Good for and you. I can't remember if they ended up hooking up or not. I'm sure they did. I think they At did. At least he got his back peeled. <laughs> That's so gross. <laughs> That's really gross. That's so gross. Okay, let's see here. Um, oh, Here's one that a lot of people won't answer, oh. but maybe you will. Tell me about someone you hate. Who can I tell you that I hate? Who do I hate? You know, I've made a lot of amendments with people. Amendments? Is that the right word? I've made amends there with a lot of people. Thank yeah. you. I've made amends with a lot of people that I've had problems with in the past because I just, I'm like, I can't, this is too much to keep up with. Um God, that's a great question. I wish I could answer. I do wish I could answer it. I'm trying to think because I don't know. Okay, here's another one that people are loath to answer that maybe you'll answer. Um, and by the way, these particular questions, that one didn't, but this one came in on Patreon. Can you tell me a celebrity who is secretly horrible and a celebrity who is secretly awesome? Secretly horrible? Who is secretly horrible? Or outwardly horrible. I'm just, I just, oh fuck, I just have bad memory. I mean, I have bad memory, not bad memories. Oh boy, I really want to answer this. Who was horrible? Oh, Dennis Miller, but I feel like that's known. If you're, yeah, but if you had an experience with him. When um, we were doing the fucking, what club was it? I don't know what club it was. Okay, so, uh, you know, because I'm an up-and-comer, and, and because I'm a woman, they, like, a lot of clubs won't give me full weekends, and they, like, they test me out. They give me, like, a, a Wednesday or, a, you know, just some shitty night that nobody wants to do. And so, frequently, a lot of um, veteran comedians don't want to do the late show on Friday, I believe. And so I'll get offers to be like, come do late show Friday, come do late show Friday, which is like so shitty because who the fuck wants to go out at 10 o'clock for somebody they don't really know? Um, not a lot of people. So I agreed to do it because I'm, I'm like, I'm trying to, you know, get in good with a lot of comedy clubs. And then um, I, I didn't look at who was going to be there and it was Dennis Miller. So I was like, okay, well, he's got a sold out crowd. He's probably going to, you know, do a lot of time and go over and whatever. Who cares? I'm not going to, this is already like bad scenario anyways. And so then, so I, the, I kept waiting for the show to end. I didn't have any instructions from the comedy club to do anything different than what I usually do when I'm there, which is just go to the green room immediately from the back where mm-hmm. the parking lot, it faces the parking lot. I'm knocking on the door. I'm knocking on the door. No one's answering. Eventually the, the green room door opens and it's Dennis Miller. And, uh, I have my openers with me. Like, it's just a group of us, you know, Latina, another Latina, a black guy, this little um, tiny white woman. Like, we're just youthful and mixed, you know? Mm-hmm. And I was ready to, like, oh shit, I didn't he- realize he would, you know, still be there. Still be there, but also just, like, want to be, ha- like, chilling and had nobody else in there with him. And I was like, oh fuck. I, I was like, oh, we're just going to, like, pass through. I was, I had no problem doing that. And he stopped and he, oh, whoa, were you guys doing the ne- the next show? Oh, wow. And he just starts asking these questions. He's super friendly. I was like, oh, man, people talk shit about him. Like, this is kind of weird. Like, he's being so friendly and cool. And um, I was like, oh, there are people. And he was asking us questions. And, oh, sit down. Oh, no, go ahead. This is your green room now. Like, you don't know, whatever. I'm just going to blah, blah, blah. Like, super casual. It felt like I was talking to any other comic I've ever known. Super fucking cool. And all of us were like, wow. Like, we were all like, wow, that was really nice. And then the manager comes in. After, the dentist leaves. The manager comes in. 
he's like hey marcella that wasn't cool what you did i was like i'm sorry what it wasn't cool what you did you know dennis didn't like you guys being in here you should have you should have waited you guys should and i was like whoa 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 that is i don't know like first of all no like we, <laughs> i didn't first of all i didn't know first of all i don't know where to go yeah let's do let's start there i didn't know where else to go um the room was being cleared out i'm not gonna stand in the front waiting with the fucking audience that's coming in for me that doesn't make any sense the green room is for the comedians and um and also he was he told us to sit down he walked up us into this room yeah you were we willing were, to go through we, we i was walking through i was like oh we'll just be i'll literally wait outside the green room if that's what it takes you know he was like, no, sit down. This is your green room. And then um, he was like, yeah, you can't be doing that. And I was like, well, then you should tell me where to go. <sighs> I'm getting so mad. For and he you. like, I forget what else he said that he said. He had said some other shit about us being there. And I was fear. I was like, fuck that. I fucked Dennis Miller. And then because of that incident, I now try to be extra careful. I look to make sure who's going to be there. I, t- I contact the venue to be like, where do you want me to hang out? Because I don't want this headliner making a fucking stink about me being here. <laughs> Which is what happened again with um, David Spade. I was like, I'm doing this 10 o'clock show at this other club on a Friday. Same same exact scenario. And then um, I den- I mean, David Spade's still on stage. Um, except I'm, I can walk into this back area without going into the green room. I cast a manager. The manager was like, oh, the show will be over soon. Like, don't worry about it. And I was like, okay, well, I saw my openers. I'm going to make... Th- I made them wait in the parking lot. Cause I didn't want to be in the scenario again. And then because David's in the, on stage, I go into the green room to see who's in there to see who is open as our, see if I know who they are. And they both are like, Oh no, he's not going to care. You're fine. You're cool to hang out in here. And, um, but then David got off stage and I kind of stepped out and we crossed paths and he was like, Hey, what are you doing here? Cause you know, I've interacted with him before, but also in passing. And, um, he, he, he was like, Oh, you're doing the 10 o'clock show. I didn't even know there was a 10 o'clock show. Oh, let's get out of here. This is your green room now. Hey, it was good to see you. I hope you have a great show, blah, blah, blah. And then he leaves and I was like, Oh my God, is this going to be the same story? <laughs> it wasn't. He really, he like, there was no complaints. I okay. didn't care. He legit, he actually, cause you know, he like requests, I think vodka in his green room. He's like, Oh, drink my vodka. Don't let that go to waste. He was being super fucking cool. So that answers the question on both yes. sides where it's like the same exact scenario with an older, you know, straight white male comic. And they were totally different reactions to seeing me you know um and that has really stayed with me because like i don't really know david that well i don't know dennis at all but jesus christ like we're all comics you know it's also like where the fuck else am i supposed to go this is supposed to be my space and once the show is over it is my green room now like sorry the thing that gets me is just that he was being so cool to, mm-hmm. like inviting you in and then bitching yes like, what is that about that's what i didn't like i was like no we were on our way into the yeah. main room to sit and wait because i know there's you know seating right in front of it i was and then even my friends were like what and they're like no <laughs> he told us to sit down he was asking us but like my friend had a hat like a you know sports team then they started talking about sports like he was so cool it seemed like a cool uncle i also have a problem with the comedy who was it, the booker or the manager of the place telling getting in your face yes. was that before you went on it was like right after he left like literally after like 10 minutes after dennis no one left. should be doing that I before know. you have to perform Ex- that's what i said i fucking wrote my agents like these motherfuckers <laughs> they don't get to talk to me like that sorry and it's, that's the other thing they're not just saying it to me they're now they're saying it to my openers and it's like yeah. no this is so unusual and it's so fucking rude and it's so disrespectful and it's also like 
I last minute agree to do your stupid 10 o'clock shitty spot. Like, I don't even want to be here. Right. You know, like, don't make this less fun for me how did the show go it was fine we had so much fun like we oh we always do and i had my friends with me and also thank god i had my friends with me i don't know what the hell that scenario would have been to oh god it was just a mess (laughs) um Marcella, it was so nice having you on the show. Thank you for having me, Allison. Thank you very much. Everyone, go out. If you don't already have it, go out and get The Woke Bully. Tell them where to get it. Anywhere you listen to music or, or anything, uh, comedy. I'm also going to be on tour, The Woke Bully tour, promoting the album, doing working on the new material. So catch me in Chicago, uh, Portland. Oh, fuck. I don't know where else. I'm, I'm going to be in a lot. I'm going to 14 cities, though. So. But if they want more info on tour dates, they can go to your website. At MarcellaComedy.com. Yeah. And that's my social media as well. Okay, great. And it's M-A-R-C-E-L-L-A. Anything else you want to plug? No, just um, if you're easily offended, don't listen to my album. (laughs) Tony Thaxton, where do we find you? Uh, I'm at Tony Thaxton on the things. And maybe I'll say a few more words than I did here today. (laughs) On the things? Huh? Yeah, I'll say I'll say some <laughs> things on the things. I need to I need to just force you to talk more. Yeah, so I, I mean, I was surprised you didn't say anything. Well, you know, I'm here to mostly run things. I, I think I, I feel did. like I say this every time, but I like you know, I'm still I'm still your guest producer. I'm trying to not jump in too much. No, we need more it. Tony. All right, all right. I did want to know where you stand with threesomes, but then I'm like, I don't want to put you on the spot. But now we're I having am. a threesome right now. That's right, we are mm. foursome. Yeah, the baby, the baby. Yeah, yeah. I should call my wife. Let her know. <laughs> um, uh, you know, it. I, I have not ever. Uh, I will just say I'm going to keep it somewhat vague and say I'll I'll discuss anything. Oh, like he's I, open-minded, but, see, more but, open but, than we are. Yeah, way but, uh, more open than we are. But but I think also the reality sounds a little more like what you guys are saying, right? Where, where I'm like, yeah, that seems complicated. Yeah, yeah. it seems exhausting. Yeah, who has the energy? oh my god did you see that news story about tiana taylor having a threesome with her athlete husband no they had a threesome and then he got the the chick pregnant oh no i don't know if it was through the threesome or a separate hookup right but see, that's see, what i yep, exactly that's exactly what you're talking that about that is the kind of hangover that you can't wake up from yeah well, i personally know i i won't go into names but uh somebody i know uh was in a marriage and uh had a threesome and now he's not in that marriage anymore and is married to the <gasps> third oh my see? god yeah. see men are shit <laughs> that's right <laughs> selfish that's right i have another podcast uh it's called childish it's with greg fitzsimmons it's loosely parenting oriented but you don't have to have kids to listen to it so check that one out <clears throat> if you like what you're hearing subscribe to this one itunes.com slash allison rosen leave tell your friends leave a review all that stuff that people always say um i have a book out tropical attire and courage and other phrases that scare me if you go to my website allisonrosen.com information on all of that stuff ringtones t-shirts etc i'm at allison rosen on twitter and instagram thank you for listening I love you. Goodbye. Hey, do you know about the Allison Rosen Show? We had a good time.